All right, good people. He's Tim Johnson. I'm Chris Ruddick. We're here for Love of Code, bringing you current events, our experience, and opinionated commentary around all things software. These episodes are powered by Prime3 Software, where Tim and I build super awesome purpose-built software to supercharge businesses. Tim Johnson, how are you today? Better than I was last week, man. Good. Well, I actually bought a, a, a air purifier, so I think... I think that's helping was it the dust was it the african dust uh no i just i mean ever since i moved here i've i've had allergies so well now you have to qualify it you know you can't it was just an hour allergy sneeze it wasn't a covid sneeze I'm yes allowed. i'm i'm finding myself doing that uh like in in the middle of the night i'll wake up coughing i'm like oh, is, is is this just a cough or is this the thing do i have, do I have the thing do i have, I have the to like do i have a fever so so I was watching um, a show and the, the problem when you are on the leading edge of a show when it comes out is that you burn through all the episodes and then you have to wait for like ever, forever to get the next episodes. But it's called Upload on, um, on Amazon Prime and um, it's a digital afterlife. So you die and then you live out eternity in a, in a digital landscape great show super awesome and um but i noticed uh you know they they did a great job there was some sort of event uh that they never explained they just alluded to it and people are wearing face coverings and there's been like massive famine people are starving like the real world is really kind of a crappy place and then this digital afterlife is just like this panacea but again it's um it's very much driven towards like the haves and the have-nots so you know the people who can afford it live in like this super luxurious um digital world and then like the ones they call them the two g's that that have <laughs> they, they run out of data every month and then they just freeze and like don't get to exist for for like the rest of the month and they just live like down in the basement and uh like any any like even if they just think too hard they burn up too much bandwidth oh god and uh and they get shut down great show i highly recommend it I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that out. I think. I think I remember you mentioning that before. Um, all right. Well, I got some news to oh, talk about. Yeah. If, if you're so, um, Google just partnered up with Conical, who does the uh, Ubuntu, um, t- to uh, support an uh, an SDK called Flutter. Um, Flutter is supposed to be, and I. I chuckle at the at the statement. It's supposed to be a write once, run anywhere kind of uh, SDK, which is yeah. which is what Java is uh, purported to be. So Flutter um, was originally launched to to ha- to run like widgets and stuff on Android and iOS, but they've since been able to move to to web, Mac, and Windows, and now they're going to be on Linux as well. So um, I, I mean that's. It's um it's kind of neat, but it's interesting. Apparently, it compiles down to native to native code, so it is it becomes a native app. So it's not running like like Java is going to run in your JVM. This is going to be, you know, whatever the native OS is going to be. the The language itself is written in um, Dart, which I've never I've never used. Um, I watched a quick little video on it. It was kind of neat. Dart so, wasn't the precursor, or GWT wasn't the precursor to Dart, was it? Um, I don't, I don't think so, because 
GWT generated JavaScript and let me search in the background. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, it just uses Dart. Um, and like I said, I watched I watched a quick little tutorial on on it, and it looked it looked reasonable. As someone who's been full time on on Linux for the past six or seven years, um, I I welcome that with with both arms open. <laughs> so I ran into an interesting problem this week, and uh, I thought it would be a good debate to have. Um, we purchased a Blu-ray player. This this will tell you how many years ago, but it's probably been eight to ten years ago. We purchased a Blu-ray player, and we bought it because uh, the following features: one, it plays Blu-rays, which I can't think of the last time we played a Blu-ray in there. Two, it was Wi-Fi enabled, which it was one of the few systems at the time that had uh, built-in Wi-Fi. And three, it provided streaming access to like your Amazon Prime your Netflix, Hulu, you name it. Um, so I was I was looking for a quiet place the other day. I was going to watch a show and I uh, went to go use the Blu-ray player and it said, oh, updating. And I could see all the apps listed and it said updating uh, my network content. So it does an install and it finishes the install and it had taken off all of my streaming apps. So now the product that I had purchased because it included this these applications now no longer included these applications and i watched it happen in real time and now i'm thinking to myself well if this thing doesn't include these applications i could have bought a, a blu-ray player that costs a third the price that just plays blu-rays because that's basically all this thing does now what the heck and i'm like what are my rights as a consumer for for uh, software that was included in a product that I bought that I guess was no longer supported and then removed by a power that was not me. What what recourse do I have? I'm sure it's buried in the, the terms and agreement somewhere, legalese, crap that I didn't read, user manual that I threw away. But uh, that was a, a really interesting situation. What do you think about that? That's that right to repair thing, man. We talked about a couple a couple uh, podcasts ago. Um, you know, it, it it seems to be biting you quite hard. <laughs> it's funny you went from I I hadn't heard of it to I think I think now the last three podcasts you've had some other system that has just decided to update itself and obsolete itself, and you're like, wait, what the hell? So, um, well, I I feel like you know one. Uh, Wi-Fi enabled, that's one of my annoyances. My Blu-ray, every time I go to play a Blu-ray, it's like, ding, do you want to connect to the internet? I'm like, no, can, you, I, can I just get to my movie, please? And I wish there was a setting where I could say, stop asking me to connect to the internet because I have no need or desire for the thing to be on the internet. So you should feel lucky because um, within the past week or two, um, I've seen reports where... Um, blu-ray players and it's not just a couple it's like worldwide they've been stuck in a reboot loop Ugh. without without any recourse so it's like i thought that's where you're going when you started describing that it took an update um that you were that you were stuck in a reboot loop um what's well, it was just kind of crappy because it took software off the system i yeah. saw it and i was like oh that's what i want amazon prime right there and it's like oh we got to do an update i'm like fine and then it was gone and i'm I, you know, if it's, it's well, one of those things, you know, the question becomes, is it, is it, you know, let's just uh, whatever brand it is, brand X, yeah. 
is it that brand X removed it or is it that the app is no longer supported for that platform? Well, and that's a, that's a great question is, um, when, when you purchase something that is app enabled, i.e., uh, outside of the, outside of the intended, uh, you buy a television or I'm sorry, a, 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 um, a refrigerator with a television in it, right. Or a, a, a TV screen in it. Um, and, it, and apps are included with with that refrigerator are what is the extent of your uh, of your purchase have you only purchased the core intent of the platform or have you purchased everything that comes with it I, I mean that's that's tough to say because you know as we've talked about in our previous podcast you know apis are you know how to version an api and things of that nature um yeah you know, you can, I can envision that, Hey, I've released an app, um, you know, for, for streaming content. Um, it was based on version one for this specific platform. Um, we're no longer supporting that platform and the version is all, you know, the API is also no longer supported because they're on to version five or six and they're not going to update it. So, I mean, effectively, um, you know, you've, you've obsoleted the thing, but I mean, I, from that regard, who's, who's to blame? If you know, I had is a computer it... that was end of life, like they don't just like pull the software off the computer and I'm left with like an empty shell. It's just like, oh, you're running an obsolete version. You're not going to get updates. Um, you know, you're not, it's, you're, you're exposed to all sorts of vulnerability and good luck on your journey. You should they didn't stop your Blu-ray player from playing. They they just removed some apps that may or may not still be supported on the platform yeah, and that's... the app. I mean, that's effectively like they've um, uh, they've they've taken the shortcut off your desktop because that that website doesn't exist anymore. That's effectively what they've done. Yeah, no, but I'm I'm wondering what what the limits of my consumer obligation. So I saw um um uh. Chrome's their next release is going to have uh, some new flags that are supposed to limit the JavaScript timer uh, to run stuff if it's in the background um, and can save up to two hours of battery life. Um, wow! Which I thought was kind of which is kind of cool. So it's it's uh, supposed to throttle JavaScript. It says throttle JavaScript timers in the background. Um, you can set it up as a, as a what's the flag? Chrome. Chrome slash flags that's will really get you gonna, to the to the that, settings. That's really going to impact my Bitcoin mining now. One more one more news story. Uh, so um, I I I I really follow Tesla, and I think Elon Musk is um, kind of analogous to Steve Jobs as far as like vision and you could pick and a just role model than that too. Well, I didn't say role model. I'm talking about just kind of a visionary of of pushing things. You know where where things haven't been before sure well he just announced um i think it was yesterday or the day before that um that tesla's really close to a level five autonomous uh vehicle uh experience all cameras or are they starting to integrate yeah all cameras so um so currently they're um their um uh driving system what autopilot or whatever is that what it's called autopilot yeah um is considered a level two 
please note that these levels start at zero because of course they will because computer some software engine yeah computer um so zero being no automation and two being partial automation um level five is full automation like you don't need a human to interact with the vehicle at all um you know uh, you know i know they touted uh the summon uh thing a couple maybe six months ago a year ago something like that i thought that was pretty um well i've seen people get run over by them in parking lots and things of that nature that's not so neat um (laughs) yeah so i mean it's cool as long as it's in a controlled environment but well that was that upload show they had um they had autonomous cars and you it was a setting you could uh it was driver priority or um pedestrian priority so uh you you were basically the one who decided and this is a classic problem with self-driving cars is like when there's an obvious collision upcoming the car needs to decide do i hit the grandma with the walker on the left or the mom with the baby on the right you know and 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 one of them what the compute some it has to be programmed in it has to make that choice how does it make that choice and that was that was how they got around it in the show it was cute because they were like oh you you drive in 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 uh in pedestrian uh priority oh you're such a purist or you know such a puritan and the guy <laughs> <and> it's <was laughs> it like no man you got to switch it to to a driver priority so now now i need to watch this yeah yeah it's good so a quote he has in the article is uh if you have a system to figure out and trained to deal with odd situations. This is why you need the kind of real world situations. Nothing is more complex and weird than the real world. So I would ultimately agree with, yeah. with that last part there. Um, Especially the past couple months. So <laughs> supposedly it's supposed to be a, 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 I would say a bare, bo- a bare bones stripped down. I'm not sure how to, it, it, it didn't say fully featured. It would say it's, it's, he said something about having a standard set of basic functionality for level five. So I don't, by the end of the year, hmm. um, I don't know what basic functionality is over complete functionality. So I, f- I feel like maybe there's a little hedge of bets there, like in certain cer- certain situations. Well, do you want to talk about our main topic today? Sure. All right. So our topic today is, so you think you're a senior developer. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a senior developer and what kind of things do you do as a senior developer? You need and maybe to be, how do you level up? How do you get to that place? Yeah, you need to be at least 35. No. Gray hair. Tim pulled a list from the internet and I wrote a list down without the help of the internet. So I think this will be an interesting exercise to see uh, how our lists compare. Um, and uh, I'm certain I've missed some uh, only only having given this a little bit of thought, but uh, I kind of just looked at how how I spend my time and then compare it to uh, to to what the broader interweb seems to think. Well, some of this some of this stuff is like I it's it becomes one of those things where yeah I do that, but I don't I, I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say they're saying that the senior engineer will um, develop information systems by studying operations designing, developing, and installing software solutions, um, support and develop software teams. I mean, some of these things, like like as their state, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do I do that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's like, probably lump a lot of that into um, every other level of, of software developer engineering. I mean, I was doing software installs six months on the job. So, I mean, that's, that's not... Uh, 
Yeah, but I'm I'm looking at you know like this this specific uh, instance they're talking about um, you know studying operations and designs and developing and, and developing solutions. Um, you know, junior level guys aren't generally looking big picture. Um, from what I've seen, you know, they're they're more focused on um, the task at hand. The, the, yeah, I was going to say the task, or you know, getting getting specific thing done in a in a reasonable fashion. Um, and they they're not thinking, um, oh well, how is this how is this change going to impact um, some other change going down the road, or you know, be team team centric. Now I can't. That's a general statement. I recognize that. Um, but for the most part, a senior a senior dev is going to make changes and say, "Hey, how is this going to impact the team? I know, I know this is going to, you know, this solution is going to be ten times harder on the next guy down the road. Maybe I should, maybe I should just um, give this a little more thought. A, a, a different, maybe the maybe the direction I need to take is different. Where a junior developer is not likely to make those decisions. They're going to be like, "Hey, I got my checkbox. It said do this, and it's done." Um, you know, test be damned and all those other kinds of things, uh, because at the time they, they don't see the usefulness, um, of that. So, um, well, I said like requirements development. So, and, and even, um, to some degree customer interaction. So meeting with the customer, developing requirements, as you said, walking through the process and trying to figure out what's not only what are they asking for, but what's the intent of the feature or the system that they're requesting? Yep. Because oftentimes, uh, I guess as a senior developer, or maybe if you, um, you know, if after you've done it for a while, I don't, I don't know what that specific threshold is, but, uh, after you've done it for a while, you kind of start to realize that the thing that they ask for might not always be the thing that they need. And when you start to drill in and talk about intent or, um, objectives or or high level vision for what the system uh, needs to do that's when you can really start to drill in and and um, get down to some true up requirements as opposed to just sitting there and recording like oh yeah it's got to be blue okay cool blue got it um, and it's got to have buttons okay how many buttons three buttons got it all right write that down you know if if we just sat around and just accepted requirements from our customers um, you know, I don't think the products would be nearly as uh, refined as, as what they are from from just having the experience of knowing um, that that there's there's the request and then there's the underlying reason why it's being requested. And, and getting to that latter part is, uh, is is part of the trick of of the job. Yeah. A couple other things that stick out to me because, you know, my my theme of development is is it's an art form. Um, a creative engineering balanced with high quality and customer focused, um, uh, strong analytical capability and the ability to create innovative solutions. Mm. So, I mean, those are, these are things where I'm like that, that's part of, that's like saying, be, you know, be creative. Uh, okay. You know, I don't know that that's a, that would be a skill set that I would, that I would necessarily write down that I, that I do every day. Um, well, I would say like a, a senior developer would probably be looking to, um, instead of writing three pieces of code, maybe they look to see what is the commonality between these three pieces of code and what can I extract up to like a higher level, uh, 
like a parent piece of code that all of these other three pieces can inherit from. And then those other uh, separate three pieces of code can 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 have the uh, the nuances of of the functionality as opposed to just three uh, pieces of code that are, you know, 60, 80, 90 percent identical. And it's being able to identify those patterns. That I think that comes with time and being a, a senior developer. Yeah. Um, this, so under the category of responsibilities, um, you know, it kind of goes along the lines of what you were just talking about, develop software solutions by studying information needs, conferring with others, studying system flow, data usage, um, and work processes, investigating problem areas. Um, you know, all, all those things I would say, yeah, those are, those are things I know I could write down. Um, and I know that, that you're, that, you know, these, these fall into your categories as well. And so some of this stuff I'm, I'm, I can envision this being, um, maybe a junior developer or somebody's like, Oh, I do all that stuff. And it's like, but how much of this is, is your focus? You know, um, I don't, I know at the end of the day, I don't look at how many lines of code I wrote. I look at how, like a Boy Scout principal, how much better did I make things? You know, did I solve that problem um, with with a solid solution or did I just throw some bail wire and some duct tape on something just to get it to go? It's not saying a senior developer is never going to do that because sometimes you just need to get something to go. <laughs> so a mantra that, 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 you know, I, I know many of us use is first make it work, then make it pretty. Um, uh, and then if you want to go even one step further, then make it performant. Um, but that, that, that last one's uh, important to be last because there's an idea of premature optimization. Um, and that's, I think, also where this balance uh, comes in that a senior developer would bring onto a team or a project where it's like, hey, don't spend too much time over engineering a for loop that, you know, might save you a microsecond here and there for, some, you know, for for something that just you're displaying a menu on a on a website like I, does does a half a second really matter? Right. Does a microsecond really matter at that point? And Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but you don't have to decide that while you're building it. Well, um, I think you're, you're touching on something without realizing it. Is you're saying, "Hey, guys, I mean, you're as a senior lead uh, developer, you're 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 seen as a leader." Um, and I, I'd say it typically, what I've seen throughout um, my career is that you reach a certain vintage, and then uh, your path is kind of predetermined for you. Uh, you you're gonna take on a leadership role you're expected to take on a leadership role and ultimately you'll you'll head into uh you'll i've seen where you you come to a crossroads and you either need to take the management track and start becoming a management uh professional or you you go the opposite direction you just want to be uh the guy in the cave that knows all the answers to all the secrets um both are fine paths i i, I can't endorse one or another but um but the expectation is once once you um once you've been around a while in, in your career and you've seen enough stuff that uh that you that you start to have a lot of the answers to the questions either from from a management perspective or from you know these these kind of higher order problems 
that, that Tim's alluding to. Yeah, you don't even really have to think about them. You know, you've been around things so often that, you know, the solutions are kind of known um, patterns, you know, and that there's the idea of the design patterns. Like those exist, you know, some junior developer didn't come up with that. He stole mine. Hundreds, hundreds of uh, of senior developers came up with the design patterns. But you should be very much familiar with them, and um, it helps to be able to know their names and be able to articulate those kind of patterns, so yep. that uh, that you can say, you know, okay, all right, in this scenario, we're going to use a facade to do this, that, and the other thing, and and um, and being able to com- convey and communicate, you know, what what your ideas are, you know, that comes with knowing the patterns and being able to speak to them. Yeah. Something else that, um, you know, as I read it, it becomes obvious. Yeah, we do that. Um, you know, coming up with standards, you know, to, to piggyback on our conversation from, from last week. Now this is, this kind of goes, uh, I I guess it can go both sides. Like, are you talking about a, a standard, like an interface standard, or are you talking about, coding standards and I'm leaning towards senior developers going to come up with coding standards. Um, you know, these testing thresholds of, of test coverage and those kinds of things that make a team where a junior developer is going to come in and just apply those standards. Um, you kind of get to set those kinds of things because yeah. you've been down the road where these things you've bumped into all this crap all the time. And it's like, hey, can can we stop doing the same dumb thing over and over again uh, and fix this? So, right, I said uh, enforcing best practices and standards, and yeah. that extends beyond just just the coding standards. Which, um, as a side note, is um, <laughs> every place I go, it, that's one of my very first questions: is like, all right, show me your coding standards. Oh, you don't have one? Okay, I'll give us some. You know, it's it's just it just makes life so much easier and having been through places that that don't have them it's <laughs> trust me when i say this i guess as a senior developer uh you you need them please put them in place um but m- more high level um coding standards code coverage uh testing policy procedures um uh, quality thresholds. Is there a uh, static code analysis system in place? Is there a security uh, analysis system in place? Uh, are, what security standards are we adhering to? Um, if you're not familiar with OWASP, O-W-A-S-P, check that out. That's uh, a set of standards around uh, security. That's a great place to start. That's that's the, that's my number one endorsement. Um, but all these, all these things uh, around practices are are things that um that senior folks are are or should be um promoting as part of the project yeah and i think you know to you know i, I i'm probably going to keep coming back to this you were saying like how how do you know what that that always seems to be the thing that that gets left off at the end documentation yeah god document your stuff um but you know to to, to know if you're a senior dev or you know if you have questions about whether or not you're a senior dev or something like that are you making these decisions are are are, do you do you come on to a new project and ask these questions like hey where are all these things what are all these things um if you're not thinking about those things if you aren't doing those things or implementing those things then you're probably not what would be considered a senior dev now you might have years on the job or years on 
on the thing and you're you're senior to the project or something like that but you know being a senior level developer comes with all of these things and that's it's one of the things we're trying to underscore here is is you know there are titles and then there and then there's like there's the people that actually do these things uh in a in a, in a practical and meaningful way so um yeah, that's a great point. It's uh, a senior dev doesn't necessarily mean a developer who's been doing it for a very long time. It's 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 more about um, uh, being senior in your maturation in your development maturation yeah. process. Yeah, and that, now that you're saying maturation, it makes me think of and I, I'm going to look it up because I I keep I keep forgetting who said it, but that that whole ten thousand hours. Yeah. Um, yeah for sure. To to be a master of of something, so I mean. Even that could be a guideline on whether or not you could effectively be a senior. But I mean, a lot of these things are going to be check boxes. A lot of these things are going to be triggers that, oh, I do all that stuff and you guys are full of crap. This is what we see day in and day out. I mean, we've got a fair number of years under our belts and have been on a, a reasonable number of projects to see when projects succeed, what's there, when projects fail, what's not there. Um, and right, I mean, if you take that 10,000 hours principle of mastery, there's uh, 2,080 roughly uh, billable hours in a year. So yeah. that's five years. Uh, have you been doing it for five years? That maybe that make that maybe that qualifies you. Um, I mean, I was doing, uh, I would say, mid to senior level developer type stuff within the first two or three years of my career. Uh, now, was I was definitely not. Uh, a senior developer at that point but uh that's that was the trajectory that i was on very early and i still didn't have enough hours to to nobody keeps track of that but uh, you know i i I had not mastered any one programming language or discipline at that point but uh it's kind of it's it's more about um i mean anybody i won't say anybody can code but any developer should be able to code uh it's it's these other intangibles that um that really set you apart yeah so here's here's a here's an example so the project chris and i first got introduced to each other on um chris definitely had more knowledge of the tool set or the the library set the the practices and stuff we were using was green in some areas but the areas we were really focused on chris was definitely um above me as far as like level of maturity. Um, but they made me team lead. <laughs> Even though I ar- argued not to. Now they made me team lead, not because of my qualifications or anything, but merely because I had been there the longest. And by the longest I was there, I think two, three, two, three weeks ahead of you, Chris. Yeah, three weeks before me. So um, definitely not something that should have been done. Um, I would argue at that point, um, I had enough knowledge to get on the project, but I definitely was not strong in any one area that I would say, absolutely, I'm a, I'm a subject matter expert on the, the art of writing code. Um, you know, I was so green in so many areas that I, 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 was, I was amazed I was able to keep my head above water. I mean, I was learning you know, gobs of information by the minute. Um, 
and there was a lot there was a lot of people there that was that were younger than me like just if you just take age into it that you know four or five years younger than me that i they knew more than i did and it's like you guys should be team leads so and and senior devs like you guys know enough to be making these decisions i don't um and so some of those some of that stuff gets gleaned out because i was I won't say quickly, but they took enough time before that, before I actually moved on to a, a different team where I wasn't the team lead anymore. Um, cause that just did, <laughs> that just didn't work out at that point in time. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, that you bring up a great point is, uh, cause I was thinking of, of a couple of people that were on our project and, um, they, they, they marveled that, um, whenever there was something new that nobody knew anything about, you or I could rapidly find an answer and already implement a solution faster than they could even like figure out how to spell the problem. And uh, I would say that, that one thing that sets uh, a senior person apart uh, is just the ability to really rapidly locate and assimilate new information. So being able to know where to find the answers, know how to phrase the answers so that you can rapidly find them and then be able to really uh, take in that information really quickly based on prior experience. Uh, to, oh, yeah, that looks a lot like that other thing that I did uh, way back when or, oh, that's uh, that that pattern is like this pattern. OK, cool. And figure out how to apply it and rapidly um, implement a solution from from basically what amounts to scratch. Yeah, some other some other stuff that's on here that I that I would definitely say fall in the camp of uh, of a senior dev responsibilities are um, improving operations by doing uh, some system analysis and recommending changes to policies and procedures. Uh, if I don't make a recommendation at least once once a day on how we can do something different or maybe we should try something different because you know there's somebody's got the same question eight times or so, you know, if I'm not doing that at least once a day, I, I, I don't, <laughs> that's probably my number one thing I do on a daily basis beyond writing code is trying to figure out a different way to do something that's better. Continual process improvement. There you go. Well, yep. agile. <laughs> yeah. I said, um, DevOps. So yep. your, uh, your junior and your mid level developers, they write code. Um, your mids and your seniors, they figure out ways to be force multipliers. So, uh, configuring the build system, setting up the build pipeline, setting up automation, figuring out, um, how to rapidly configure environments, all these things, um, you know, fall into the category of development operations. And if you can not only make yourself more efficient, but make your whole team more efficient by introducing new tools and technology to, to do that kind of thing, uh, that, that definitely qualifies. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned junior developers and stuff like that, you know, mentoring them. That's a big, yep. that's that was a big, one of mine. Yep. Um, mentoring junior level and senior or, uh, mid-level, uh, engineers and developers. Um, you know, there's, there's providing this, this can kind of, I feel like this is an area where, where somebody could, you know, could get triggered because they're like, Oh, I tell people how to do stuff. And it's like, yeah, there's telling people how to do something and they're showing them, you know, right. the whole show a man or what is it? Uh, sh sh teach, catch a teach, fish, teach a man to fish. Yeah. 
and feed him for a day. No, <laughs> teach him. Teach him. You feed him for a lifetime. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you give a man a fish. <laughs> give a man a fish. Feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish. Feed him for a lifetime. There you, there you go. go. Never so, be fooled again. Yeah. That's so George Bush impression. It's um, you know, it's those kinds of things that, you know, you can teach a topic or something like that. But I mean, are you really uh, invested in that person growing as a developer? Um, you know, if 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 you can't recognize that, hey, this developer is struggling, you know, we might need to prop them up a little bit or try and, you know, talk to them, see see where the disconnect is. Um, it's those kinds of things um, that I think set a senior developer apart from from any other role, uh, you know, on the team is being able to recognize that kind of stuff. I said um, meeting with management. So oftentimes you'll be the uh, you'll be the conduit between the development team and management. Sometimes the buffer or the <laughs> the insulation between the development team and management. But you're generally the person who's able to um, in the same way that you're the, the person who meets with the customer and, and kind of create can construct requirements. You're also the one who's able to uh, give accurate uh, estimation and um and accurate status on on a project that's a estimating is a really big challenge um i it's something i still struggle with today is like estimating how long is this project going to take how long is this going to take uh me or our team to get this completed um and and being able to to meet with your management or meet with uh, meet with your customer management uh in order to to share that information is um is definitely a, a trait that needs to be mastered. Yeah, you definitely, well, I mean, you gotta, you have to be able to speak for the team as well. You know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information that's going around. Uh, people are going to make recommendations on things and you really need to, you really need to be on your, your, your mindset of, Hey, is that possible? How does that, how is that going to affect the team? How is that going to affect the project? Um, you know, suggest workarounds, um, you know, those kinds of things as well that, you know, a junior developer um, might not necessarily have, you know, the, the totality of the picture that, you know, they might be hyper specific on the one meeting without, without knowing all the impact that something's going to have down the road or, or something. And I'd say like, you know, knowing how to, to also to, to give credit to your team, knowing how to, 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 um, you know, take, take blows for your team. You know, sometimes, sometimes you got to be the one that falls on the sword, even though it's not a problem that, um, that you created, uh, just to kind of, um, you know, you got to take one for the team as they say. Um, and then knowing what to say when you're saying it, uh, I, I will never go into a meeting and tell any stakeholder that something is easy because, uh, too many times, I've seen it where um, that, that that just blows up in your face. So so knowing how to craft the message around um, uh, the the scale, the scope of a problem, estimating the, um, when you're gonna having accurate estimation around um, around the the size of the problem that you're solving, um, and then just being uh, being transparent. Um, I think that's you're not doing anybody any favors if you're hiding information. Um, 
and I'm a big fan of that of um, being fully transparent and trying. Uh, bad news doesn't get better with age, so <laughs> I, I like to just move that information up through the management chain uh, as quickly as I can. And uh, you know, sometimes the messenger gets shot. Um, that's an unfortunate unfortunate reality around the position. But you know, as a senior dev, you just got to prepare to eat those bullets and then keep on getting on. Yeah, I know that's specifically an area I struggle with because sometimes I have too much information that I, you know, without giving enough time, I don't necessarily know how to, to boil it down. I don't, I don't, um, improvisation is not one of my strong suits. I know that I, I deal with that. I try and <laughs> say little, um, when, when possible. Um, cause oftentimes they'll sometimes talk their way through a circle and it's like, okay, <laughs> I didn't have to participate at all. I just make sure. <laughs> kind of kind of kind of put the bumpers up so they you know stay out of the gutter um so uh some other stuff on my list here um remain cool and effective in a crisis i don't know Mm -hmm. we've had too many crises um our systems are i think we yeah we try to stave those off and and our agile structure insulates us from a lot of these We, we we rarely get to the situation where we're at some critical impasse um, because we've been, you know, there's no 18 months of development that went into this product for this major delivery date. It's, it's like, Oh, our last delivery date was the beginning of the month. So, you know, Oh, this isn't perfect. Okay. Well, this, this feature will be perfect in two weeks. So (laughs) that's, uh, we, we, I think our, 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 the, the way we, we do our job, uh, kind of insulates us from, from some of, some of these higher pressure situations. We, we've de- you and I have both definitely been in those situations in the past. Um, and, and that's a fair point. You know, you kind of have to be a cool hand in, in this, in the moment and then, uh, just be able to, um, tell a good story or, you know, be transparent or, um, you know, the, software is um we're one day soon we're going to do an episode on um letting letting perfect be the opposite of uh, the enemy of good and um software is I've, I've never seen a perfect piece of software i've never seen perfect software in my entire life um because it's just it doesn't exist it's it's fluid it's it's uh it's almost organic in 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 that it's uh there are just so many moving pieces uh their their software today is just so incredibly complex and there's so many variables and factors involved that um you can't account for every eventuality uh the, the software will cost way too much or it will never get delivered um so you you just got to realize that there that that there are going to be issues and it's how you roll with those issues that uh, really i guess separates you from from your contemporaries yeah, so some other stuff on my list are grow engineering teams uh, by interviewing, recruiting, uh, and hiring. Yep, I was going to say interviewing. I've, I've definitely done my share of, of, uh, of interviews. Um, I, I, right up there with, um, with the, the leadership path, you just have to expect at a certain point that you're going to be responsible for uh, helping grow the team or finding the right people to help grow the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I've shared on previous podcasts that, you know, I I met with um, I met with a team and got through the interview and 
technical assessment and everything else. And the feedback I got was, you know, technically we think you can do the job. I didn't get the job <laughs> because I didn't have some other quality that they were looking for. And that's, that's the, you know, the senior devs role as well as making sure the team's going to be uh, cohesive. I've mean, I've met people where, you know, they're smart as all get out, but I know that they, they aren't putting the best interests of the team first. And that, that becomes a morale issue and things of that nature. Um, you know, when you get a bad teammate, it, it it's, it's really hard. I mean, it's, it, you almost don't want to come to work um, because you know, the environment's just not such that's going to be uh, conducive to, to being productive. Uh, especially if you're, I mean, if you're fighting against your own team, how are you going to get stuff done? Coding's hard enough <laughs> when you have to fight with somebody else about everything. Um, you know, we've had people on, on our teams uh, before that were somewhat passive aggressive where they'd say, yeah, okay, to your face and then turn around and implement something. And they hope that, but because they were able to implement it quickly, their idea will win out. Yeah, you got me on that one. Uh, I said um, architecture and technology selection. So uh, another path that you'll you'll frequently see in addition to like a leadership management path is that uh, the senior level devs uh, will, will fall into an architecture role where they're responsible for um, solving higher order problems, not, not necessarily um, uh, specific pieces of code or functionality, but how these pieces of code and functionality uh, work together in a in a in a grander way, um, where you know, it might be where it's deployed, it might be uh, other accessory pieces of software or um, or components that that make up how the architecture or how the system goes together in the architecture. But um, you'll see senior level devs also often referred to as architects who will be responsible for you know basically having the grand vision on how the legos need to go together i I mean i've seen that i've some to some degree i almost feel like those are two different roles i mean they can they can be overlapping but sometimes your architect is not necessarily about worried about team cohesion and bringing up people where they're just they're you know focused on making sure everything's from uh organizations uh coming together um but I mean, I've seen senior dev roles where they're they also take that that role as well. Um, but well, again, but go ahead. Definitely the technology selection, though. I mean, that's the um, you know we need a solution to do X, Y, and Z. What are our options? And being able to go out, evaluate a bunch of different ideas, and figure out maybe even write up some scenarios, uh, some test cases, or what have you. Um, is some some simple implementations to see how easy and how well it solves the problem. I think that definitely falls in the wheelhouse of um, something that a a senior developer would be responsible for. Yeah. And it's also going to be, you know, uh, how big is the team and how big is the organization, whether or not you have a dedicated architect, if you don't, then that role falls to somebody and it's going to be at least a senior dev. Um, you know, and so one of the bullet points I have here it kind of goes along the lines of that as well is um, staying on the leading edge of development practices and technologies. Um, you know, that's those are all things that we're always looking for. And like I said, I, go, I, I feel like that goes right in with what you're talking about of of picking those right 
those right tools, those right methodologies. Um, you know, and, so, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you make the wrong decision. <laughs> and that also falls on a senior dev to say, hey, we screwed up. Let's, um, let's change, change direction and try something different. Um, but as, as a senior dev, I mean, hopefully you've, you've, you've either done it yourself or imparted it upon your team that you've, you've designed in such a way that you can kind of minimize the impact of, yep. of a, a, a design decision that you make in that way. You, you realize the patterns of like, um, object oriented patterns or, you know, um, areas of responsibility and, and, and these sorts of things. And, and you've, um, tried to insulate yourself away from some of the impact of, of these design decisions you might make. That's almost out of all, I think I'm almost out of my list of responsibilities. I think I hit them all of mine. Um, one of the things they mentioned is a passion about great technologies, including open source. And I mean, we've talked several times before about just being passionate about our craft and you know, it doesn't, it, I don't know that like, again, this goes back to me, not, not necessarily recognizing what, what makes a role of a senior developer and not just, Hey, I'm just a developer. Like I love to write code. I love to build things. I like, you know, seeing the, the interactions. And I especially like getting the user feedback and stuff, especially when you do it well, you know, because they themselves are like, I don't know how you guys did that, but awesome. Um, but you know, that, that passion for, for those kinds of things. Like, I mean, we, we routinely, um, mention in our little news, news points and stuff that something about what AWS is doing. Those things aren't mentioned because it's just somebody else doing something else. It's like, those are cool things they're doing. Those are, those are, those are areas that, you know, are going to move forward and it's kind of in an obvious way, uh, to a senior developer of how those kind of jigsaw pieces go together. Um, and so those, those things kind of, you know, excite me in a way that I'm just like, Oh, I can't wait to get to play with that or get to build on that. Or let me find a problem that will need this as a solution. Um, you know, kind of, kind of environment. Um, well, I think the, I, I mean, the passion for the craft is the reason we're here. That's why we're talking to, you know, that's why we do this show is, is cause we're passionate about what we do. But I don't think that's limited to any level of developer. I've met some some folks who are self-taught um, and just are really enthusiastic and love learning and applying, you know, uh, applying skills to their to their coding. And um, they might not technically be uh, senior level developers, and they they might be junior level developers. But that passion is something that that um, that that I think. It's certainly universal for um, the the kind of people that you and I love to work with. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, passion for for the craft is um, is a differentiator uh, across the board, uh, junior, mid, or senior. Um, there there are <laughs> there you can be any any level of developer. Um, and then you can be a, uh, you know, a developer who loves what they do. And, um, I think, I think you can achieve any level of development skill or seniority, but, um, if you don't love what you do, you, you're not going to grow into it. 
it's just you got it or you don't and um i don't i don't i don't know uh i don't know how to tell you you know if it's if if you <laughs> i don't know it, it's it's not something that's that's just going to show up one day it's it's uh you know it, they're the kind of people that that like to to solve problems and um you know make make an impact and you know and build things and 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 learn how things work and i mean it's they're those kinds of people um are are, are the kind of people that are probably uh the the ones who just uh, really love programming and um and i have no doubt that uh, the, the people who are passionate are the ones who will, will definitely uh, level up to that place of, uh, of a senior developer. Yeah, and as you were talking about that, some of the things I was thinking about is what would, you know, you can have a lot of these, a lot of these qualifications or, or, or um, uh, what are we talking about here? These, um, these responsibilities, um, but but like a, I guess, I guess it might be an an anti pattern where I've seen people that are super smart, um, but they don't necessarily and and they they would you would consider them a senior level person, <clears throat> like they know like some of these check boxes that we talked about. You know they're able to analyze the the um, the code. They're able to to uh, talk to a to a end user or something like that. Um, but they you know, and they have the, the passion, but they don't have the skill set to, or they don't have the desire to kind of bring up a team. You know, they're, they're a lone wolf as we've discussed before, you know, and, and they might have a title of senior developer, but I mean, I think unless you, unless you have, you know, a ton of these other responsibilities, like bringing up a team, like what is that, what is, I can't imagine what a team looks like if you're a, if you're if you're labeled a senior developer and you consider yourself a lone wolf, you know, because I don't know how you can grow your team and expand your, you know, advance your junior, you know, be a mentor to your junior uh, level developers in that way because you're not you're you're never going to be showing them or sharing with them um, what they would need to grow as a developer. Does that make sense? Um, so I kind of feel like that's like, that's an anti-pattern where, well, we, I think we talked about it previously where, um, like a, where you're a, a, a terrible term, but like a 10 X developer where yeah. you're, you are more valuable than just one engineer. You are, you know, you are bringing more, uh, to the table than, than just one person's work. You're able to get more out of people, more out of your team, uh, you've got the tools and the tricks to to be more productive than a single person um but i think i think uh we can't understate the the value of being um uh, i'll say the the centerpiece of of a development team it really uh comes from the examples and uh, the the leadership uh that that a senior developer should be bringing to the team yeah, I mean, I, I, I view things as I'm, I'm just a part of a team, and if we sink or swim as a team, and if we fail, it's my fault. <laughs> That's kind of how I see it. It's, it's, um, you, you know, when things don't get done, it's, it's the team leads, you know, going to be 
falling on the sword. Um, and I, I feel like that's how it should be. Like I, I junior developer doesn't, isn't necessarily going to know any different or know any better or have those, you know, like we talked about responsibilities to, to even be concerned about that stuff. They're like, Hey, you, I, you said, go take the mountain. Uh, we took the mountain. You pointed that way. You should have pointed that way. <laughs> you know, the technology stack you picked was, was, you know, those are all, those are all the things that, that the senior developer is going to have to, to deal with and wrestle with, um, you know, going forward. A couple other things here for qualifications that, you know, we talked about the 10,000 hours being roughly five years, five plus years experience as a software engineer. That's one of the, um, I wouldn't even say a person at five years would be, would be a, a, a senior developer. I would say you'd be a fairly solid mid-level developer. Yep. Uh, in the, you know, let's go through years. Like I would say one to three years, you'd be junior three to three to six or seven three to seven years you'd be a a mid-level developer and then seven plus is what i would would expect to be a a senior developer um education is not a factor in any of that um uh, you'll, you'll often see like oh five years or you know uh, seven years, uh, senior de- seven years plus for senior developer, or five years plus master's degree. No. That's exactly what's on this list. Nope. <laughs> five years plus master's degree. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Um, One uh, argument that I can think of because we talked about interviews, and I know myself when I was first starting out, wanting to include my school experience or an internship or something like that as as uh, you know experience. No, we're talking about like I have a job. Yeah. And this is my experience <laughs> for this 40 hours a week. Yes. Yeah. And I would, I would, in some ways I would argue against, you know, necessarily putting a time limit on it because it's really based on your, your, your experiences as you've, um, as you've been a software developer, you know, I, I got to think somebody that's coming out of Google, having done three years at Google, um, is probably going to have a woefully different experience um, than somebody who's, you know, kind of in some startup business or something like that. I mean, we've given a lot of information about our experience as senior developers. Um, these certainly are, you know, just our experiences. There's, um, uh, and our opinions as well. So, uh, I think we covered it pretty good. There's, uh, there's no, there's no magic formula. There's no, um, you know, magic threshold that you need to get over number of years or, uh, certs that you need to get or education. Um, it's really about not just, uh, time and experience, but also, uh, the intangibles, the things that you do to better your project and better the people around you, uh, that, that sets you apart as, as what we refer to as a senior developer. Yep, absolutely. Perfect. Nailed it. All right, folks. Thanks so much. We appreciate you joining us today. This has been For Love of Code. You can find us at forloveofcode.com. That's F-O-R, loveofcode.com. On there, we've got links to YouTube, all the streaming services. You can find us pretty much everywhere you suck down content. We're on there. Please join us. Join the conversation. Leave us some comments. Tell us what you think what uh what you'd like to hear us talk about we'd love to hear from you um and also give us a little like and a little bit of a subscribe tell your friends uh we're sharing our our uh, 
I was gonna, almost going to say unbiased. We're sharing our biased opinion <laughs> on software and all things around uh, code. And uh, and this is really born out of our passion for, for what we do day in and day out. Appreciate you joining us. Be well. Get back to work. Bye, everybody.